This is the EPFR Exchange Podcast. All opinions expressed by Cam, Kirsten, or our podcast guests are solely of their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of EPFR, part of a private equity Montague's portfolio of standalone companies. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the EPFR Exchange Podcast. My name is Kirsten Longbottom, and we are joined by EPFR's resident economist, Cameron Brandt. Each week, we get together to talk about themes and trends dominating the financial landscape and reflect on mutual funds and ETF flow and allocations data tracked by EPFR. Cam, we've uh, hit the three-week countdown to our company's SKO meeting in Mexico. What are you uh, most excited about besides the obvious? Well, I assume by the obvious, you mean the chance to harass new and different fish species. But no, I'm, I'm looking, looking forward to um, gathering as a, a standalone company for the first time in over a decade. Um, we were uh, in the Informa family since I think it was 2010. And uh, while Informa was a very good parent, we did have to march somewhat to the beat of their drum uh, and in a operating in the financial world, which is um, seemingly changing and dealing with fresh challenges almost week by week at the moment. Uh, you know, this ability to kind of set our own pace, uh, focus on what we think is important is something I'm looking forward to. Um, but this will be a chance to see if other <laughs> members of EPFR are as excited or if they're excited about different aspects of our new inc incarnation. And obviously, you'll be interviewing, I think, next week, our CEO, Todd Willits, uh, about uh, you know his vision and how he uh, sees our evolution in the next year and beyond. Yeah, definitely. Some exciting uh, times for EPFR. And uh, yeah, we look forward to hear from, from Todd next week. So, Energy, China, COVID, uh, inflation, recession, earnings, job layoffs, the Russia-Ukraine conflict. I could go on and on about headwinds facing major economies at the moment um, or for quite some time now. What do you think is the most influential on investors? Are we seeing them react to, strongly to something specific? Well, I think to me, the most important thing going on is that the markets are certainly discounting the still pretty hawkish anti-inflation rhetoric coming out of the Fed and the ECB. Um, they're steering pretty large sums into um, bond funds dedicated to the U.S. and Europe. Uh, and certainly in the case of the U.S., that money is not going to inflation-protected funds. Um, so there is certainly uh, a sense that, uh, you know, the Fed is talking about something that has already rolled over and time to position uh, for uh, what comes next. Um, you know, there's always a risk to fighting the Fed. Uh, and I do think uh, that we could actually see a bit more volatility in bond markets uh, this year. Um, I continue to be surprised about, at how little attention the running down of the Fed's balance sheet is getting and the European Central Bank's pledge to start doing that themselves uh, in March of this year. 
But, uh, you know, optimism is always interesting. Um, and saw that last week, more specifically in the case of China. Um, last year, certainly in the second half, we saw a lot of money positioning itself for the post-zero COVID rebound. Um, last week, those flows faltered as people looked at the COVID numbers in China. But a combination of sort of, you know, credible official reports that, while the numbers are pretty shocking, they are close to peak. Uh, and, and a sort of a warmer, fuzzier tone from some senior Chinese officials about actually wanting foreign capital and seeing themselves as a partner in the global economy, uh, I think have sort of encouraged people to uh, add more to their bet that there's going to be a strong rebound in the second half of the year. Uh, those inflows were actually the, all the more interesting because this is historically uh, a period of the year when people take a step back from China because of the uh, sort of two-year Lunar New Year, year holiday. Um, in the past, the step back was because a lot of the uh, key economic data points go radio silent or are much are muted by sort of the lack of economic activity. Uh, but this year, there's obviously the all, all, another kind of variable, which is, is this going to be one of the biggest super spreader events in history? Um, but, you know, I think people feel, you know, that uh, um, the Rubicon has been crossed. And even if there is uh, a few more bumps in the road for China, that, you know, the basic story is going to be... Uh, a steady downward slope for the COVID cases uh, and a steady reopening of the economy that will really kind of start to move the needle in growth terms, you know, certainly by the third quarter. Yeah, that helped emerging markets both on the bond and equity side uh, fare quite well this week. Um, like you said, investors looked past the risk of some investors looked past the risk of COVID in the world's second largest economy and, and towards China's much anticipated economic rebound. Um, we did see China SRI ESG equity funds account for over half the headline number for all EM equity funds with socially responsible or environmental, social and governance mandates. Giving a bit of an overview of sector funds dedicated to China, seven of the 11 groups posted inflows um, with technology, real estate, and consumer goods sitting as the top three earners. Can you expand a bit more on the trends we're, we're seeing here? I'll back off and say you, that you raised a good point, which is though we've been focusing on China, uh, global emerging markets funds, the big diversified vehicles, they pulled in over $4 billion last week. You know, that I think is tied a little more to the assumption that we're uh, much closer to peak U.S. And, and possibly European interest rates than the sort of the more conservative scenarios suggest. Um, uh, and while China certainly is sort of the star in the optimist firmament uh, at the moment, uh, certainly in terms of raw inflows, other other dedicated fund groups, largely in uh, emerging Asia, have been, or largely dedicated to emerging Asian markets, have also been doing pretty well. Uh, you know, India equity funds had strong flows last week. Vietnam equity funds continue to 
uh, continued their streak of above average inflows. Uh, Korea, funds dedicated to Korea have been taking in solid sums more we- more often than not. Um, getting back to your specific question, you know, those, those various China uh, sectors, um, you know, I, I think people see you know, some residual value there. Um, and, and, and some of that certainly isn't new. China technology funds have been um, attracting f- fresh money and frequently more fresh money than their U.S. counterparts now for, uh, I think, certainly over three, if not four months. Uh, people are hungry for uh, alternative ways to access technology without getting too exposed to the fang stocks, which do seem to have reached their pivot point, at least for the moment, in terms of valuations. Interesting. Well, moving on to, I guess, Europe and maybe the more developed markets, um, you spoke about a warmer winter blunting the impact of Russia's energy squeeze, improving sentiment in Germany and moderating inflation. While on the other side of the Atlantic, you pointed to consumer and manufacturing data softening and layoffs mounting, um, which caused investors to fear that the U.S. Federal Reserve policymakers have already overshot the ideal pivot point for interest rates. Are outlooks shifting for both? Uh, I think they are. Um, Perhaps the key thing in all of that was that collectively the uh, Europe equity funds we track recorded their first weekly inflow since mid-February of last year. That was a record-breaking streak of redemptions week in, week out. Um, And certainly, you know, I think there's a feeling that uh, though Christine Lagarde recently did her best to uh, puncture this particular balloon, uh, that uh, you, monetary policy makers, certainly in the eurozone, uh, feel more constrained about being too aggressive. Uh, whereas the uh, the Fed. Um, I think certainly feels it has a bit of a credibility deficit based on uh, its transitory narrative, really letting this current bout of inflation gather more momentum than perhaps it should. Um, I put, you know, I don't think the Fed is going to be too draconian if if the trends we're seeing in the data. Uh, gather much more steam. I think it's likely to back off, but uh, you know, certainly what markets are signaling is a certain amount of damage has already been done, and you know, we could certainly dip into a shallow recession uh, this year uh, just because of the effects of the interest rate hikes we've already had. And then I guess we'll we'll end off where we kind of started. Um, so in the bond fund universe, um, you did give a little bit on the themes and kind of trends around that. But what was most noticeable in terms of fund flows or allocations data? Were there any styles of, of bonds prospering this week? Well, uh, there were a number of things that, that stood out. Um, uh, again, the flows into uh, emerging markets and global bond funds were the biggest in, in pretty lengthy periods, like well, well over a year. Uh, the one that particularly caught my attention was that uh, uh, U.S. bond funds recorded their first retail inflows uh, since the final week of 2021. Um, 
so uh, such a long gap that I certainly <laughs> paid some attention uh, to that. Um, you, in terms of, uh, especially in the U.S. Uh, space, there was some appetite for all durations uh, and interest in, in certainly investment grade corporate and sovereign bond funds was, you know, I think slightly tilted towards sovereign, but not dramatically. And so there was roughly equal interest. I mean, what was noticeable was was where the, the big outflows were, and that was in inflation-protected bond funds. Great. Well, uh, thank you, Cam, um, and look forward to chatting next week. Good. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to the EPFR Exchange Podcast. For more information or to suggest a topic for a future podcast, please visit epfr.buzzsprout.com or email us directly at epfrexchangepodcast at informa.com. 